What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 125, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. We are an independent podcast. Have been since the beginning. We're like OG. We're like, like we've been doing this now for three, three years. Three years. And we've been three independent years. the whole time. And if you want to support the show, you can do that. Well, we got a Brent, Patreon. I should have put, there was that mm-hmm. one point in time when, when Michella oh, was right. supporting us. That's right. That's right. And uh, the Tactical Tents, they were a sponsor one time. Yeah. Yeah. We, but, um, but we decided that they were trying to cut into our creative endeavors too much. Oh, they totally were. And so we said, none of that. Yeah, the Bedosian tactical tent, they were immediately Uh. asking for us to start endorsing their weaponry. And I was like, that's not my style, man. And they're like, well, then I guess we got to cut ways. And I'm like, there's the door. And we haven't seen him since. Absolutely. So, but we've been seeing you all since. Thanks for being around, friends. And if you want to support the show, like I mentioned, we got a Patreon thing, patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Uh, we have tiers and privileges, and Zach can tell us more about what those tiers and privileges do. Uh, but if uh, one of the, a couple of things that we have are Patreon first audio content stuff. Other side of the gate with Zach and David. Uh, they talk about spoilery things that I don't listen to. I think we just dropped one last week or yep. during this week. Yep. Uh, so we got a new one out there for that. We also have the Stargate Second Chances podcast where Zach and I go back over an episode that uh, we had seen previously. So for me, it would be the second time that I have seen it. And uh, we basically re-review it. Uh, They're usually quite a bit shorter uh, than these ones that we do here when I've seen it for the first time. But they're a lot of fun. We've got a few of them out there. Uh, We most recently did Bane. That was a delight. I had a lot of fun doing that one. And if you want to hear all this stuff right away, you can get that on the Patreon by supporting the show. And if you uh, don't want to do that for any reason whatsoever, which is 100% legit because you're an adult who's capable of making decisions on your own. You don't need somebody like me trying to browbeat you. Uh, you can enjoy all that content eventually. We put those those Patreon first episodes on the main feed whenever we want to take a break most of the time. Last week, I completely forgot I was going to be in Utah. And so I was like, uh, Zach, um, I can't do a show this week. And he's like... <laughs> fine so um the upside of that is that david and i have been trying for weeks like like more than a month weeks to schedule a time where we could record the other side of the gate Mm. and we haven't been able to find the right time Mm -hmm. and your trip to utah gave us the perfect opportunity to record and get that dropped so thank you very much you're you're very welcome glad i could help accommodate that without realizing it but hey friends you will be able to hear all that content on the main feed as time goes on. And where is that main feed? I, I I should find a different way to say it because I say it like this every time and it's dumb. And I hate it when people are all like, you can find our show. It's like, I already found your show, you dummy. So, uh, and I've made the joke now of the man on the street so many times it's getting old too, but I'll get through this and I'll think of something creative later. The show is on Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and Podcast Aggregators, and that's the main spots. Um, there very well may even be spots that I'm not aware of that uh, podcast scrapers are grabbing it and putting it somewhere. I don't know. But uh, those are the things that we're aware of, and that's what we promote. Promote? 
I guess technically that's true. Um, so, Zach, uh, I found yet a new and creative way to stumble through the intro in a way that uh, I didn't intend to do. Um, so if a person wants to reach out and uh, let me know that I have uh, somehow found new heights at being bad. Um, boy, I'm hard on myself. I had a bagel this morning, too, with a plain bagel with plain cream. Ch- I had the perfect morning. I don't know. Zach, how can somebody lift my spirits? Brent, I love you. (laughs) I love you tremendously. Not terribly. I tremendously love you. Thank you. And, dear listeners, if you also love Brent, (laughs) or if you just like him and want him to feel better about himself... You can let him know by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Which is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G. I can't even do that. Oh, it's just it's just a day. Oh, man. In any case, yeah. you know how to spell that. Yes, if, it's spelled if, how it should be. If, if this is an episode that you've forgotten how to spell walking through the Stargate, well, go to last week's episode or just yes. about any other episode we have ever yes. done and listen, because I will tell you how to spell that out then. Okay. That's right. Or you can go to Twitter and go to at Stargate Walking. Or Facebook, Walking Through the Stargate, or the website, WTTS.space. Space! Or you can go to Patreon and join us there for all of those fun things. By the way, Brent, mm-hmm. did you know that this last week, well, mm, we got a new Patreon supporter? Oh, hey! Scooby Dooby Doo <gasps> decided to join our Patreon. Thank you, Scooby Dooby Doo! A.K.A. Dane. Thank you, Dane, for joining oh, thanks, Dane. The, the, the podcast, Patreon yeah. support, and all of that stuff. So, Brent, mm-hmm. uh, as I do every month, I send out emails to all of our Patreon supporters, and I say, uh, for this, in this case, the month of September, let me know what, uh, where you want to spend your votes. Mm-hmm. And, dear Patreon supporters, if you have not received that email, let me know. Because mm-hmm. I want to make sure I get them to you. If you got that email, send in your votes because mm-hmm. I want your votes. Yes. Uh, so, Brent. Yeah. We have some uh, some near the top of this list here. Okay. Children of the Gods has eight votes now. Ooh. Shortly, okay. we will have to do, we will get to do a Stargate Second Chances on the pilot episode, Children of the Gods. <laughs> oh, boy. I get, um, to, I get to hear that wonderful line again about uh, reproductive organs on the outside. So you actually watched, Inside, though, you, you watched, that was cut in your version, though, because you watched the, uh, the, the 2009 recut, didn't you? I think so. And so, so then I guess I just learned that from like YouTube clips or something. Yeah. So we definitely, when the time comes that we, we watch Children of the Gods, uh, we definitely need to make sure that we can find the, uh, the original uh, pilot for you to watch because okay. that, that's important. Okay. Um, now, in other ones, we have Forever in a Day has seven votes. Beneath Ooh. the Surface has six votes. Those are the okay. top ones, except for one. Okay. One has hit <gasps> the 10 vote oh. mark. Okay. So coming up, dear listeners, especially Patreon listeners, we will record a Stargate Second Chances on Season 1, Episode 8, Ooh. The Knox. Oh, nice. We get to see Quark. 
But yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for that. Oh, cool. And Laya, yes. we get to see Laya again. Yes, that's right. Um, and we get to see a floating city in the sky or that matte is, painting. That is true. And we wanted. get to see yeah. some some in, giant insects that disappear. We do? I don't remember. I, okay. Everybody knows I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we also get to see our favorite heroes die. This is like, this episode has it all. Yeah, oh, it does. man. I'm excited for this again. Now, I have one more note here, Brent. Mm-hmm. Um, we got our first vote for a sixth season episode. Oh. Somebody yeah. looked at our review of the episode Cure uh-huh. and said, we need to rewatch that episode. And so voted is one vote okay. for the episode Cure in six seasons. So, if you, dear Patreon listeners want to agree with him and say we need to watch that episode then you can support us there you go by putting your votes there nice most excellent i gotta All tell right. you like there's there's a little bit of that of that little thing that we do which is such which is so gimmicky but on the other hand i, I it's so much fun the the second chance to start a podcast i i love them they're, they are a blast oh i i i love them too they're they're a lot of fun um mm-hmm. yeah absolutely brent yeah Shall we dig into this episode of Metamorphosis? Yes. Let's All right. get into that. So, this episode of Metamorphosis was directed by Peter DeLuise. Mm. This is his sixth of seven directing credits this season. <laughs> was he one of the guys? I forgot to try to guess the last time that he did an episode. Like, where was he? Oh, it was uh, the Shooty Shooty Bang Bang. It was uh, where uh, where uh, Kinsey got shot. And yeah. We didn't talk about where he was. He, I think he was probably in that scene. But was he one of the guys, like, in Burlap Sacks? I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Um, uh, So, but he did Smoke and Mirrors, Allegiance, Shadowplay, Nightwalkers, and Descent this season. Uh So those are the ones Uh he's done. He, of course, did Metamorphosis. He's got one more. We don't have that many more episodes this season, Brent. Oh, that's true. Well, I mean, we're tech. We still got a third of the season left, don't we? Well, uh, I'd have to look. like eight episodes left or something like that? No. Well, I don't know. There's... I think there's just 22 episodes this season. I have to double check. Oh, okay. All right. So we're, we're getting there. Let me think here. Mm-hmm. Um, don't worry about that. The story for this episode is by Jacqueline Samuda and James Titchener. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Uh, of course, Jacqueline Samuda plays yeah. Near T. Yeah. Uh, this is her only writing credit for SG-1. Uh, she's primarily an actor. Um, in fact, she only has two writing credits on IMDb. Okay. Both of them from the same year, 2003. Uh, she wrote a short, like a 10-minute comedy called 50 Questions, where she was the writer and director uh, for that little short. You know, I might want to look that up. So now, I didn't quite appreciate that she wrote the story for this. So, to be fair. Yeah. Um, she didn't write the ending. Of, <laughs> what? She did not write the ending. <laughs> That's why I was impressed. I'm like, all right. No, I don't write the death of your character. Okay. So I was actually watching the commentary and they were, James Titchener was on the commentary and he was talking about this. So he's mostly uh, a special effects guy, right? He does the video effects and all of that stuff. Mostly. Uh, But what they do in this show is if they want to give you a raise, but can't afford to give you a raise, they agree to Mm -hmm. let you do things like write a story 
and get a teleplay credit. And because then sure. they'll pay you for the teleplay credit. And then that's yeah. sort of like getting a raise without actually giving you a raise. This right. is apparently how Hollywood works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vancouver apparently is close enough to Hollywood that it counts. Yeah, it's on the same coast. So there you go. In any case, so James Titchener has been working with this idea, working with this idea. And he had this idea of having um, uh, an alien race or, or humans or something that were that had we- wings. And they were, they were okay. odd, weird people that had wings. And then within that, they added some sort of sense of metamorphosis uh, and, and having lots of different powers. And mm-hmm. then I think uh, having Nearty involved and, and this DNA resequencer kind of developed into the ideas. And Brad Wright says, so I like the idea of the metamorphosis stuff and, and the, the, the mutations and all of that stuff. And I like the idea of bringing Nearty and all that stuff. But I hate the wings. Cut the wings. Okay, uh, oh shoot, what's, what, what, oh my gosh, what was that movie in like 2000 with um, Alanis Morissette and Ben Affleck and... Um, uh, Dogma, Dogma. Thank you, Dogma. Thank you. Anyway, carry on. In any case, so uh, he's the one that, that really works on this story, and I, he mentioned, but I can't remember now, uh, there was something that Jacqueline Samuda, um offered was given kind of a story idea that was added into this um it it was one of those rare situations where they actually accept unsolicited ideas Mm -hmm. uh, because normally they don't do that because people you know ideas come and go all the time and they don't want unsolicited ideas because they don't want people to say oh that was my idea yeah yeah uh because that's just a pain in the butt Uh, But Jacqueline and James never sat down in a room to talk about this episode until she came up for shooting. Uh, And it was just kind of this interesting little, you know, uh, hey, we wrote this episode together, technically. (laughs) (laughs) Strictly speaking. (laughs) Uh, So there you go. As for James Titchener, this is his first and only teleplay credit. Uh, he does have a story credit from season five, episode 19, the episode Menace, mm-hmm. where we meet Reese and uh, we get the the origin of the replicators. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was James Titchener's story. And then, of course, uh, Peter DeLuise actually ended up writing the, the teleplay itself. Gotcha. For yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have several guest actors to talk about in this episode, mm-hmm. starting, of course, with Jacqueline Samuda, who plays mm-hmm. Nearty. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, not the first time we've seen her. No. Um, without spoiling too much, this is the last time we will see her. You don't say. I, I, I do say. Hmm. That's, that, that, that's okay. Okay. Um, I guess I can live with that. But okay. she can't. hey uh, She can't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We have a couple other names here that I'm going to talk about uh, next uh, that are names that we've heard before. Alex Zahara and Mm -hmm. Dion Johnstone. Oh! Alex Zahara plays Edgar. Uh, He's done a lot. He played Zales in Spirits. He played Michael in 1969. He played the alien leader in Foothold. If you didn't recognize him in that one, I understand. Yeah. Uh, oh, because they, they didn't really have faces. They just had helmet faces. Right, exactly. Yeah. He also played Shy One, one of the Unas in Beast yeah. of Burden. Yeah, right? I remember us talking about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And of course, we, he'll be back in, in other episodes of uh, SG-1 
doing a lot of character work um, and and a lot of uh, uh, masks, and, you know. So he does a lot of uh, makeup work with that. Yep. Uh, Dion Johnstone. He's also a name that we've heard a lot. He plays mm-hmm. Wodan. Mm-hmm. Um, he was Captain Nelson in Rules of Engagement way back when. Yep. He was mm-hmm. Neonak in Jolinar's Memories and The Devil You Know, although he got a credit for both, although I think it only actually was in Jolinar's Memories. He was also in Foothold as Alien Number 2. Sure. He was Chaka. He yep. created Chaka in The First Ones and Beast of Burden. Yep. And, of course, he was Lieutenant Tyler in The Fifth Man. Mm-hmm. And, like Alex Sahara, we will see Dion again in Good. future episodes in other things. Um don't know if we ever actually see his face per se his real face we see him always under masks i think yeah um but holy smokes did they do an excellent job on the makeup for those two guys no kidding Um, that was really good yes yes so it was good we have raul ganiv who plays lieutenant colonel sergey ivanov 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 uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say it a dozen different ways. Sure. And uh, really he right. was born in 1964 in uh, Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is known for his work on the Chronicles of Riddick, uh, 3,000 Miles to Graceland, and, of course, in this Stargate SG-1 episode. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, at around this time, he was both a working actor in Vancouver and uh, a member of the Russian consulate. Or no, a Russian consultant. In Vancouver. <laughs> Those are two very different things. Yes. I didn't actually read. I just, wow. <laughs> oh, my. A member of the consul. Oh, wait, no. He's just a consultant. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is when I take that blanket and I cover my head you know, and I get all sheepish. So, but that's really interesting because I distinctly, I, I was, um, I think it was like maybe the first time that he uh, gave an order in Russian, I think, on, you know, on screen. And it was just before um, the teams launched their surprise attack on the Jaffa that were guarding the place. And I ended up kind of like almost daydreaming about how 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 casting agencies might be able to just completely get past people trying to be uh well basically lying about their ability to speak a particular language by simply having someone who is a native speaker of the language like greet the actor for the casting call in the language that they are supposed to know <laughs> like like right away you can just be like Oh, you're not even answering me in this language. Yeah, this isn't going to work. Have a great day. And then I came back to the C4. But uh, but yeah, okay. So apparently, like this guy's legit. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he could he could be all like you know, hey, how's it going in Russian? And if the person looks at him blankly, he'd be like, okay, this isn't going to work. I'll see you later. <laughs> exactly. Um, this is actually not the first time we've seen him in Stargate. He played hmm. Roadblock Soldier Number One. In the episode Desperate Measures, that's the episode we meet uh, Adrian Conrad. Uh, he oh, was one of the okay. soldiers that, I can't remember if he was one of the soldiers that uh, uh, was originally escorting uh, the Jaffa with the Gould symbiote, or whether he was one of the guys sure. who abducted it. I can't remember, but he was yeah. in that scene. He was there. Yeah. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in 1994 when he played Dimitri in an episode of The X-Files. Aha, okay. Um, Then we have, of course, Gary Jones and Taylor Rothery in their particular Mm -hmm. roles. Uh, We Mm -hmm. have then Alejandro Rey, 
Uh, he was born in 1979 in Madrid, Spain. He's an actor known for Final Destination 2, Elysium, and Blade Trinity. Uh, his first IMDb credit was... Uh, he played um, Alibron, by the way. The, okay, I was about to ask. Sorry, yes, I, I, I didn't get that written down, but uh, I, I knew that. He played Alibron. Yep. Okay. Uh, his first IMDb credit was in a TV series back in 2000 called Together, and that's the number two gather. Oh, gotcha. Uh, and it's together the series. Oh, so there was a movie? Uh, apparently. I okay. didn't bother to look. <laughs> and there was an episode in this TV series, Together the Series, called Rage. Oh, and in that okay. episode, he played the dumb one. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so... A really, a really thrilling role, I'm sure. I, I, you know, I bet it was the the center of the entire story. The whole thing pivoted. Absolutely, right the whole series pivoted on. I mean, that truly, character. at that point, everyone knew that this thing was smart because he was the dumb one. Oh, it was it was subtle. It was real subtle. Well, so so here's the thing: is that he played the dumb one, mm -hmm. so that we all could tell that the series was the smart one. There you go. It's like, it's like, it's like contrast. Ooh. Mm -hmm. It's relief in the original, in the, in the original definition. Right? Ah, well, right. there you go. That comedic relief. Yeah. Right. All right. Comedy and tragedy. That's I don't know which one it was. Yes. All right. <laughs> we, we are going downhill. We should kick you going. <laughs> So, the original air date for this episode in the UK was January 15, 2003, and in mm -hmm. the US it was February 7, 2003. Mm -hmm. Number one in the charts, on the charts, mm -hmm. in the US, uh, on the 7th of February, 2003, was All I Have by Jennifer Lopez featuring LL Cool J. Okay. I don't know that song. I don't know I believe it. I believe it. Okay. Now, every time that I'm pulling up these songs, I've been making I've been making this remark now a few times where I'm like, I don't remember that song. And I pull them up and I'm like, oh, I vaguely remember maybe hearing this once. Like that's that's where that's where I am. Yeah. So like, so Brent, I have a confession to make. Mm-hmm. So A, we all know that Zach doesn't know pop music at all. True. Um, but when I say I don't know these songs, um so here's the confession. I almost never actually listen to our podcast. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Um, which means when you put these things in the background and, yeah. and you get that, oh, okay, I kind of remember that and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I never get that because I never do that. Well, I mean, that's on you, number one. But number two, you know, who cares? Number three, uh, you don't need to listen to it again because it's just us talking and we've already talked. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not apologizing for this. I'm just simply acknowledging that it's true i will say that though it is rare there are moments where i will attempt to try to put in versions of audio gags in it by getting the timing right in some way yeah. so you know well so you know i i have on occasion when i knew that something like that was coming up i, yeah. I would remember <laughs> and i would go and listen like what did brent do with that like what oh he did a great job <laughs> Ah, thanks. <laughs> I was particularly proud of the work that I did when we were trying to get through the 
uh, mic problems that we were having uh, earlier in the year. Yeah. There was one episode where I where I pulled out all the stops. <laughs> all, all stops were pulled. All the stops were pulled. <laughs> all right. Well, fortunately, at this point in time, I think we've got those mic problems oh, yeah. oh, no, those situated. Are distant um, memories. Yeah. All right. So in the UK. Oh, yeah. Then they were listening to a Russian pop girl duo. Oh, this duo was called Tattoo. And their tattoo. song. I know Tattoo. And their songs was All the Things She Said. I wonder if this is the one song that I remember from that. I don't remember it exactly. I can't start singing it. But I do remember they were a thing. So let's start listening to it. And oh, uh, yeah, there you go. I, so this is this is the part where I um, I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble and go. She said all the things she said. It's starting to come back to me. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 you are now finally remembering all the things that she said to you. And it might be that I am hearing the future self putting it back in, through time, through time dilation. Whoa. Are we near? Are we near a Stargate opened up to a black hole right now? Well, you know how to lose a guy in ten days is definitely a black hole. <laughs> so oh, that was good. That was good. Carry on. Well done. <laughs> uh, number two is Shanghai Knights, and if you have a black hole, the only thing you can do is get Shanghai Knights to try to help you out. I Unfortunately, so. these Shanghai Knights are not actually in Shanghai. They're in Chicago. Okay. Okay. Didn't see that coming. No, you didn't. But but it's true. They're in Chicago. And when you go to Chicago to get the Shanghai Knights to save yourself from the black hole that is how to lose a guy in 10 days, mm-hmm. you need to find the recruit. The recruit. The one who will get you through that. And okay. they will get you to, to your final destination. Well, your, your second final destination. <laughs> I never appreciated the irony of the sequels. <laughs> no, really, this time. <laughs> I'm sorry we were mistaken the first time. This is the real final this is, destination. This is really it this time. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, well done. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So what was happening at around this time in mm-hmm. February of 2003? Well, on the 3rd of February, actress Lana Clarkson is shot and killed by Phil Spector at Spector's oh, house yeah. in Alhambra, California. Uh-huh. I don't remember Yo. this. Mm. Phil Spector being the guy that um, produced... Uh, I think it was like the last two Beatles albums, I think. Uh, Maybe just the last one, but it uh, was like, Yeah. So, okay. On February 4th, the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia is officially renamed Serbia and Montenegro and adopts mm. a new constitution. Okay. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Mm-hmm. On February 6th, 50 Cent releases his album Get Rich or Die Trying. Mm-hmm. which was the 2003 Billboard album of the year. Boy, that was back then. Yikes. Yep. I don't really know anything about that cuz I don't know a ton about that cuz I'm not I don't really follow hip hop that much, but 50 Cent is like, you know, he, I mean, he, he I made a big splash. So. I I know I I recognize the name 50 Cent mm-hmm. as being a hip hop artist. Mhm. And that is where my information pretty much stops. 
Yeah, but I'm I'm sitting here being like, oh gosh, that was 2003. I'm getting old. That was 18 years ago, Brent. Yeah, thanks, 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 Zach. Thanks. Hey, just just so <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yesterday, I will always be your senior. That's true. But yesterday, yesterday, I hop in the car, pull up the pull up the audio app that I like to use, and I glance down, and my little audio thing was saying, 30 years ago today, uh. Was it Nevermind? I think Nevermind. Nirvana's Nevermind was released. And I'm like, oh boy, that makes me feel old. Not because I remember when the album was released, but I remember distinctly having the conversation of, I feel old when the 20th anniversary came out. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, that was 10 years ago? Oh no. Oh boy. Uh, Yep. Here we are. All right. So, on uh, February 10th, a few days after this episode aired, France and Belgium break the NATO procedure of silent approval concerning the timing of protective measures for Turkey in case of a possible war with Iraq. So, I can't remember the specifics of this. Break the Um, NATO procedure of silent approval concerning the timing of protective measures for Turkey in case of a possible war with Iraq. So, I, I guess that means that they said out loud... Like, we will be protecting Turkey. So I'm pretty certain what ended up happening is both France and Belgium were not happy that we went to a war with Iraq again. Ah. Um, and at this point in time, they're like, okay, now we're going to tell you that we don't like this. I think. Is that when we started making freedom fries? Probably. Possibly. Mm-hmm. That could be. We're like, well, okay, well, then we're no longer going to call our American fries French fries. We're just going to call them freedom fries. Because because France is dumb. But France is our oldest ally. I mean, actually, no, it's it's not France. It is Morocco. That's who's our oldest ally. I think it's Morocco. Strictly speaking, yeah, the first nation that that, uh, recognized the... United States as a separate company was company a West African state. If I remember right, a, a, a separate state. company. I think it's Morocco. Se- separate country. So, see, hey, there you go. Separate country. Okay. Oh, did I say company? Yes, you did. Oh, I mean, I guess it's still true. Well, I, f- I suppose. So here's the question, though: <laughs> is that the French actually did assist us with the 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 Revolutionary War? Details. And so does that details. make them? I don't know. Uh, you know. Details. And are we still allies with Morocco? Look, dude, as was the argument that was made shortly after the revolution was finished, we had an allyship with the crown of France there, sir, so that when the nation of France deposed the royalty and said, okay, America, we'd like to be friends with you again, we were like, I don't know who you are. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that, that is a, that's a fair statement. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were a bit of a jerk about then. So, well, anyway, you know, anyway, so it's a big old thing, too, by the way. Like, there's a fascinating history with like the French envoy, the 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 the, the representative of the Republic of France touring around the United States in the late 18th century, whipping up a whole lot of popular support and how there was a sizable group of people who were in American government at the time who were like not happy about this guy at all <laughs> like they, they were like okay 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 the spirit of revolution matters when the other guy is in power 
<laughs> not when I am uh, in power. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Interesting yeah. history. All right. So, with all of that, shall we dig mm-hmm. into some trivia? Oh yeah, we're not even we're not even in the synopsis yet. Boy, no. <laughs> okay. So this episode marks the death of Nirti, and she uh-huh. is now the ninth powerful Gulwood that has been killed by SG One. More I'm like, like Nietzsche one, am I right? Hell, <laughs> I was building that joke up all morning. <laughs> okay, uh, Nietzsche should have said gods are dead. That's what he should have said. There you go. That's that's the joke. Yeah. Anyway, what's the next point of trivia there, Zach? So, uh, <laughs> I was just gonna let you finish that up and get that done. Sure. All right. Re- Jonas regains consciousness and is seen framed by Nearty's bent leg as she attempts to seduce him with power. Uh-huh. Uh, this is an homage to uh, how Benjamin frame- is framed by Mrs. Robinson's leg yeah. in The Graduate from 1967. Yep. And when he <laughs> says the line, Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce that, me. That Dustin Hoffman way. That young Dustin Hoffman way. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me? It's great. That's yeah. such a great line. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't do it Plastics. as well in this one. Plastics. Yeah, no, not, not really. Um, so, uh, Alibron's death was originally written and filmed as his body, like, exploding in the, ho- oh, the hospital yeah. and it was deemed by joseph malazzi as quote too icky and yeah, so the yeah. cgi effect was changed to the body turning into water which was still gross but yeah but it was um i'm with joe on this one for sure yeah uh and it was no less disturbing having his whole body like having the solids the 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 impl- the the the, the what was implied was that all of the things that made up the solid matter of his body, like, stopped being solid. Yeah. And so then, therefore, the, whatever, the three quarters of water just went sploosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it is worth noting that uh, the events in this episode closely mirror the events of the 2000 movie X-Men. Uh mm. In X-Men, the main villain, that would be Magneto, attempts to turn normal people into mutants with the machine, but instead we see someone turn into water as soon as he reaches a medical facility. Um, I don't know how much you remember that movie, but it is very, very similar to this. Uh, Two of the main characters in the movie also have the powers of telekinesis and telepathy, like Mm -hmm. Egar and Woden in this episode uh, and such. so, uh, the Russian phrase that Lieutenant Colonel Evanoff uh, utters uh, after witnessing Alibran's body dissolving is a common Russian expression that's translated as God's mother, uh, mm. or similar, uh, in, similar to English as, oh my God. It'd mm-hmm. be that type of thing in Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, when leaving his team near the gate... Uh, uh, his orders could be translated as Kravchenko, you're in charge. Hold the gate. Mm-hmm. So he's actually speaking Russian there because he's a Russian consulate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I just like looked at the beginning and the end of that word yesterday as I was putting this together. And I just immediately read Russian consulate in my head. I'm like, that's cool. And I didn't actually realize what it actually said until I was reading it today. Hey, so, no sweat. 
There you it's, go. It's good. It's good joke fodder. There Great you stuff. go. Yeah. Yep. So in the opening scene where Jonas is asking Major Samantha Carter to be his wingman, including <laughs> Lieutenant Rush, the nurse, <laughs> Carter replies, Jonas, you're such a chicken sh- yes delightful line a delightful line now such language would not normally be allowed on primetime tv but the uh uh, last syllable of that second Mm -hmm. word the last word uh is conveniently drowned out by to barely audible by the sound of the incoming wormhole klaxon coming on yes however it can still be heard quite clearly on very good speakers, and you can totally read it on her lips. It was it was it was very well done. Now, one thing I didn't quite catch is do I think that we can see the lights that get turned on when the incoming wormhole thing happens? And I thought that the timing was perfect. Maybe that was just me kind of backwards putting it together. Maybe they just threw the sound effect on top of it and then kind of got it. You know, oh, there's somebody coming into the wormhole. Um, well, I, I suspect that they they walked through that and they planned that out very carefully so that if the I, yeah, lights came yeah. on right at that moment. It yeah. was good. It I was laughed. Good. I, I laughed. Li- I liked that moment. Um, let's see here. The scenes taking place around the Stargate uh, on P three X three six seven were shot at the reclaimed gravel pit of the Lower Seymour Conservation Reserve. Uh, this is actually a place where they have been before um, when they're attacking those 10 Jaffa on the the, the top of the hill. Uh, sure. All that was shot in the same place where we met uh, uh, Imhotep. Oh, yeah, Imhotep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and um, uh, the warrior. Yeah. Yep. So that was filmed in the same spot. Yep. Um, the bullet that was stopped by Wodan. Mm-hmm. Um, a, that's a practical effect. Okay. They actually had a bullet uh, glued onto a piece of glass, and they held that up nice and close, and they zoomed in and out through the glass, and it works ah, tremendously well. Nice. Um, so that's one little bit there. Um, however, apparently, I don't know anything about guns or bullets or anything like that, but uh, the the bullet that falls to the floor is far too long for a standard uh, uh, for a standard round. Mm. Um, so, uh, okay. and it also has, uh, canelure, uh, that's the ground in, round in, in the middle of it, the, the divot in it, uh, mm-hmm. which no issue 5.7 millimeter bullet would actually have. Gotcha. So, you know, uh, also the bullet that falls is pristine, lacking the rifling grooves, um, details, but details, details, deta- you know, details. who, whatever. So it was still cool. I thought it was neat. Yeah, and this episode won Best Makeup for a Dramatic Series. Yeah, uh, won the Leo Award that. for that. Yeah, uh, for that. So that's pretty cool. Yes, that was very cool. And Dude I literally have... had an eye in the back of his head. Well, yeah. Come yeah. on, that was great. Yeah. So here is a quote from Joseph Malazzi. Mm-hmm. And the award for the most awkward seduction scene in oh, an episode yeah. of Stargate goes to yeah. yeah. Whenever I see the Nearty's bedchamber scene, I vacillate between squirming and laughing out loud. Mrs. Nearty, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> oh, poor, simple, so, innocent Jonas. The catch with that with that under the leg scene thing was that 
or at least on my television, it was a little difficult to decipher that I was looking under a leg at first. It, it clearly became apparent, but for a good long while, it was not evident what I was act, what 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 framing was actually around Jonas in that camera shot. So mm-hmm. it kind of didn't work. <laughs> now, after that thing was over, like I don't know, I thought that was pretty. That scene, okay, we're, I, I'm going to get into it a little bit before we get into it. That particular scene, I didn't think was that heinous. I definitely saw the homage. I was definitely like, okay, fine, fine. And there was a little bit of element of the over-the-top aspect to it that I thought was a bit much. But on the other hand, like, I don't know. Maybe this is how ghouls flirt. I don't think we've seen it yet. Um, So... <laughs> Like, uh, this really well. just might be how it's done. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, his quote continues. Uh, another thing I recall about this episode was the gratuitously gory shot of the mutant exploding uh, on yeah. the hospital gurney that ended up being cut. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brent. Yeah. In English, we call this episode metamorphosis. Yes. Do you have any guesses as to what this is called in German? Yeah, Nirti dies. No. No. It is simply metamorphosis. Ah, dang it. And likewise, Mm -hmm. in every other language that I have access to, (laughs) it was metamorphosis. Ah, fine, fine. I got to tell you, I'm serious here. I didn't see her death coming. I'm not joking. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, when it happened, I'm like, well, of course. But like, <laughs> but up until that, well, of course, I was just like, yeah, all right, well, what's going to happen? Here? Oh, she's going to die. Okay. All right. Carrying on that fine SG-1 tradition. Well, hey, you know, you got to kill the ghouls. Otherwise, otherwise. Otherwise. All right. Shall we synopsize? Oh, boy. 42 minutes in? Sure. Let's get to it. Waiting for the elevator. Waiting for the elevator. Okay, the elevator opens. And, oh, no. Awkward flirting. <laughs> Awkward flirting. Ah! Oh, thank you. Uh, saved by the day from the warning klaxon. Jonas, you're such a chicken shit. The gate opens, and the Russian SG team, SG-4, led by Lieutenant Colonel Sergei Ivanov. Ivanov, I can never get that right. I'm sorry. Yeah, In any case, no. he comes through ahead of schedule and they are not alone they bring with them a sickly young man named alabran with the, some important news about his planet nirti the guawuld is there and she's experimenting on his people nirti is continuing her plan to create a hoktar in the past she was content with a simple eugenic approach But now, she apparently has the capacity to manipulate DNA in real time. Nirti has killed most of Alibrand's people. Oh no! Those left are being experimented on. Oh no! Jack feels a little guilty. Oh no! Because all of this is happening as he remembers letting Nirti go the last time they met. Oh, Jack. Suddenly, Alibrand starts to panic. Something is happening. Everyone is concerned that he may have a bomb in his chest, just like the one Nirti put in Cassandra. Fortunately for the base, this is not the case. Unfortunately for Alibrand, Nirti's machine broke down every cell in his body simultaneously as he explodes into a disgusting pool of water. Ew. Ew. SG-1 and SG-4 return to the planet. Ivanov's team stays behind guarding the gate while Ivanov... Ivanov, I'll get that eventually, maybe, possibly, who knows? <laughs> Ivanov 
himself guides SG-1 to Nirti's fortress. Don't worry, there are only 10 or 12 Jaffa guarding the palace. Carter and Jonas set up some C4 to create some diversions, and when they're all ready, the Jaffa are quickly dispatched, and the team can easily continue onward. O'Neill orders Ivanov to remain outside covering their six, that's their backside, as the rest of the team enters the fortress. Inside, they meet some of the residents, Wodan and Egar, along with a few others. They are grotesquely deformed. Their bodies have been mutated, eyes on the side of their heads, enlarged skulls, hunchbacks, legs that are not the same length, cleft palates, all of these things, hands that are like meat paddles. <laughs> meat paddles? <laughs> I was I was gesturing like crab claws. <laughs> she go with meat paddles. Is <laughs> it play ping pong? Smack, smack, smack. <laughs> sure. Oh, that's great. In any case, they claim that Nearty is curing them. Though the team is unconvinced of all of this, they show the machine Nearty has been using to cure them. Carter takes a look and guesses it's probably some kind of DNA resequencer built by the ancients. Because how do you know? It says DNA resequencer built by the ancients, <laughs> written in small letters on the back. <laughs> Copyright. <sighs> some ties. Uh, ancients. <laughs> <laughs> SG-1 tells them what happened to Alibran, who apparently is Wodan's brother. Uh, but, you know, who knows? It could be a different Alibran. It's a common name. We don't know. Now, the residents are not unfriendly, but they are not especially interested in leaving because Nirti is, after all, their god, and she is naturally healing their sickness. Of course. SG-1 decides to do what they can, but Edgard begins displaying some interesting abilities. He reads Jack's mind and reveals to Wodan and the others that their plan is, in fact, to assassinate Nirti and would, if necessary, sacrifice all of them to do it. Oh, Jack. O'Neill departs to meet up with Ivanov to plan the attack on Nirti. Carter continues examining the DNA sequencer brought to you by the ancients. Jonas and Teal are given a little tour of the building by Wodan and Edgar. Now, in the basement of this building, they have very lovely accommodations that we call prison cells. <laughs> Wodan reveals how the doors work with his telekinetic powers and then shows them how to live inside them by throwing them inside, closing the doors, stripping the radios off their jackets and saying, there you go, that's your new home now. This does not look good for our heroes. <laughs> I tell you, Zach, you should have been on that writing team. It probably would have been a bit snappier. Uh, well, you know... Uh, <laughs> This is what you have when you have special effects guy writing the dialogue. That's right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Carter is startled when the ring transports activate. Fortunately, she is able to take out the two Jaffa who ring in. Unfortunately, she doesn't realize that Nirti is also there, hiding behind the two beefy G Jaffa guys with her cloaking shield on. She pulls out her Zat gun and shoots the Major before revealing her presence. Dum dum dum! Soon O'Neill enters and sees an unconscious Major being held at Zat point by an unhappy Guawuld. The standoff begins. I'm sure you know that a second shot from this weapon kills, says the god. Well, this one kills on the first shot, retorts the colonel. Suddenly, one of the unconscious Jaffa wakes up. Jack pulls the trigger, aiming it at the Jaffa, getting up. But then the bullets just stop. 
drops in, in midair and then drops to the floor. And Moldon is there and his telekinetic powers have just saved the Jaffa. Oh boy. Recognizing how absolutely terrible this situation is for the colonel, he surrenders. Nearty then shoots him with her set Nicotel. He and Carter wake up in the same cells as Jonas and Teal'c. Look, the accommodations are big enough for all four of them. Not a pleasant sight for O'Neill because he was hoping that maybe Jonas and Teal'c would be able to break them out of prison. And fortunately, they can't because they are also in prison. The team pleads their case with Wodan and Egar, but to no avail. It doesn't take long before Ivanov is also brought into the cells. This is really not looking good for our heroes. And unfortunately, Ivanov is not looking good himself. Clearly, Nirti has tossed him into that fun little machine that, you know, juggles up with DNA for a few rounds and things are looking bad. Wodan asks for Carter to come with him next. O'Neill wants to protect his team. He pleads to take him instead, but Wodan is unconvinced. So Carter follows and gets to spend her own time in the machine. At least now I'll get to see how this machine works, she says. Ivanov reveals that the machine changed something inside of him. He's looking more and more like Alibran. This does not bode well to his long-term health. Nirti finishes with Carter and sends her back to the prison cell. As Wodan tries to take Jonas, Jonas attacks Egar, who, despite being able to read minds, was quite startled by Jonas's actions. Perhaps his mind-reading abilities are not instantaneous. Hmm. Hmm. Alas, the plan fails as Wodan stops the assault on his friend with his telekinetic powers, and Jonas is taken to Nirti. Nirti scans him and quickly realizes that he's not from Earth. Those few thousand years on another planet have changed you far more than you know. She seems pleased by this new revelation. Back in prison, Carter and Ivanov worsen. Suddenly, Ivanov starts bubbling at the mouth and begins convulsing. And he dies in the same way Alibrand did. Carter has very little time left. Jonas awakens after his own time in the machine, but he's not in prison. Rather, he's in Nirti's quarters, and she attempts to seduce him. You can have all the power you want, and we will rule the galaxy as father and son! Uh, wait, 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 wait. Wrong sci-fi no! series. <laughs> let's, let's try that again. Sure. They will rule the galaxy together. Nirti really needs to work on her sales pitch because it doesn't work very well on Jonas. If this is flirting for the Gua world, then they need some lessons. It works on other Gua world. I am not convinced that's true. <laughs> In any case, it doesn't work on Jonas and he's tossed back into the cells. Once again, SG-1 tries to reason with Wodan and Edgar to convince them that Nirti is not a god, that she is simply using them and will kill them all eventually. O'Neill is next for Nirti's machine. Just, just look in her mind once! Just, just, just do it once and you will see that I'm speaking the truth on this one thing. But she's a god, that's forbidden. She'll know. She's not a god and she won't find out! That, that's how it goes in my head. It's pretty much uh, what he did on screen, mostly. Well, fair enough. There you go. Okay, so, so O'Neill demands that Nirti fix what she did to Carter. Nirti refuses. She tells her, she tells her Woden, well, I don't know what I did there. She tells Woden and Edgar to put O'Neill into the machine. Uh, but 
Edgar finally listened to Jack, and he peeked inside the mind of a god, and did his head explode? No, because she's not a god. Nope. And he tells her to stop. He reveals that she has already killed most of their people, that she killed Alibran. Yes, that is Wodan's brother, that she's not about curing them, she's about power and control for herself. Wodan gets angry and telekinetically lifts her into the air by her neck. <laughs> she tries to bargain for her life. O'Neill pleads with Wodan. We need her alive to save Carter. But Wodan is having none of it. With a flick of his wrist, he snaps near T's neck and she collapses dead onto the stone floor. <gasps> O'Neill sags with despair. What's going to happen to Carter now? But Egar lifts his spirits. Before she died, he pulled from her mind the information needed to operate the machine. Huzzah! Hooray! There is still hope for Carter. Quickly, they bring her to the machine, and Egar uses it to repair the damage that Nearty did. Yay! She's Yay! alive! Woohoo! And now, to repair the damage Nearty did to Wodan and their people. Woohoo! Yay! Carter wants to examine the machine when they're all done. But Egar says that once all the people are healed, they will destroy the device. But, 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 it's a DNA resequencer built by the ancients. SG-1 has to depart, and Egar begins restoring his people, beginning with Wodan. The end. The end. So, Brent. Mm-hmm. Metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. How did it change your life? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I was expecting the standard question. It didn't. Uh, okay, fine. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this episode, uh, boy, um, I think that um, it's not like there was a Bane factor in here, but there was definitely kind of a cheese factor that happened. Um, where I was like, okay, this is a little bit too convenient, but let's go with it. And it was like the last quarter or something. And, uh, you know, some of the details of what this story was about didn't quite hold up to scrutiny, but I was like, eh, whatever, like, let's have some fun. And I thought the show, I thought this one was fun. Um, there was a, you know, the, 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 the assault on the 10 Jaffa was, paced slowly to the point that I was literally like wondering how casting calls happen when they have a demand to have a particular language spoken. Like that's how slow that was going. But <laughs> other than that, like I was engaged, I was watching, you know, it was, kind of, it was all right. It was all right. Um, I, I liked, um, I really did like how uh, the sort of the meta story about how we are cooperating with the Russian teams is, I mean, I think it's improving. Uh, this one was one where there was camaraderie happening and there was an acknowledgement of previous friction that happened at the beginning. And then, and then we, we got to work closely and well with, with each other. Um, and it's a shame that it's a shame that, uh, that, uh, that what's his face died. Um, enough. yeah, him. And, you know, like I, I was like, oh man, just when I was liking him, then he goes off and dies. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's that, um, how the story was introduced, progressed, and then resolved was definitely kind of cheesy. Um, how it ultimately resolved at the tail end was definitely cheesy. Boy, was it convenient that Egar had pulled exactly the right information, right? Like that was a little too convenient, but whatever. Um, 
you know, I think that this, I think that last scene brings the phrase Deus Ex Machina to a whole new level, like <laughs> in yeah. all the ways. Uh, but um, you know what? It worked. It worked. It's fine. This is a reset to zero for this thing. Fine. I'm fine with that. You know, especially because it was Carter who vocalized that frustration of wait a minute. And then it's like, no, this is actually probably pretty terrible. So let's go ahead and destroy this and never come back. Um, the uh, superpowers were definitely fun and certainly well played and not so terrible or overpowered as to be a distraction. Um, catching a bullet in midair was about the most extreme. And even then I didn't, I didn't really think about how extreme it was until much, much later at the time. It was just like, Oh man, ah, that's a bummer. He caught the bullet. Oh, well uh, now it's like, how good is he with this? Thing? Cause I, you had to be real good with that. And it just, it just was curious to me. And uh, I did like the like modern, modern Prometheus aspect of, you know, Dr. Nearty's monster turning on her. <laughs> like uh, there was, that, <laughs> I, that was fun. I liked that. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing that's kind of happening with the meta story that occurred to me as I was thinking about this episode is that we really are cleaning house with all the old Jaffa, uh, not Jaffa, the old, uh, Gould. Mm-hmm. Um, we were first introduced to near T back in with Cassandra. And I can't remember the episode, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. That was and, first season. Yeah. And, um, I, man, I think, I think she's the only one left of the old 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 guard you might be you you still around yeah you still around but even you has changed um or at least i'm getting the strong inclination that you has changed and that you was not really ever in the camp of the ghoul that was really threatening earth an awful lot um well it said that when we first met you in um the early second season episode i believe um he was probably the one that was going to most readily approve of the treaty with the Asgard because mm-hmm. he didn't really yeah. care about what earth was doing because right. it wasn't really in his area. Right. Right. So in that respect, like all of the original threat Gould, right. They're all gone. Mm-hmm. Wow. So now I'm curious. I want to yeah. try to figure out if I can think about, think of who all of these nine Gould system or type characters are. Um, uh, they killed Apophis. Yes, and Cronus. Yes, and now Nearty. Yes, uh, Harrower. Yes, Hathor. Yes, uh, Sokar. Uh, yeah, Tanith. Not not. Well, not they Tanith. killed Tanith. Uh, I don't know if he counts as the one of the nine here or not. Okay. Um, I don't remember. Two or three more, depending. Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, dear listeners, if you can remember, let me know. And that's kind of the point, though, is like, like we're going through these guys like water. Um, and it did make me also kind of wonder because because for a brief moment, I'm like, man, I mean, I guess I guess the ghoul world really aren't the threat anymore. And then it made me remember, no, no, we've got um, uh, we got Apophis out there. Where the heck is he? Not, not Apophis. Anubis. We got Anubis out there. Where the heck is he? Is he so not there? I keep forgetting who he is. Like, <laughs> Um, we got Anubis, we've got, uh, Ball, we've got, um, you oh, still around, you still around anyway. So, but, 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 you know, the point that I'm trying to pull away from here though, is 
that it really does feel like there's a bit of a chapter shift that's happening, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. We are nearing the end of season six. This is the first season on a new platform, like a a network. Um, uh, There's a lot about that that totally makes a pile of sense you you know the 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 average viewer has been now going through this for six years um and we're getting really close to when television series kind of typically lose their steam right like that seventh season seems to be kind of that magic mark where things that just kind of doesn't work anymore and they hang it up Um, and it's worth noting brent mm -hmm. that uh, when the sixth season started, they figured at, at first, well, we've got one more season, and then we're done. Yeah. And then it was, I don't know, probably around this point in time, um, they they realized that they were going to come back for a seventh season. So the original plan was six seasons, and uh, we'll come up with some movie ideas and whatnot, and then yeah. they come back for a seventh season, and then they come back for an eighth season, and then they come back for a ninth and a tenth season. Um uh, it is worth noting that the basic idea and premise that they had for that next movie after the 60s and ended and figuring that the series would end yeah. uh, is a storyline that is incorporated into a seventh season episode. Oh, okay. Uh, and that, you know what? I, as I'm kind of, future. kind of complaining about the Gould situation and being all like, where's Anubis? I can totally see them being like, yeah, Anubis was going to be the bad guy in the movie, you ding dong. So like... Like they're going to tell other stories, they're going to wrap it up, and then they're going to have this big adventure. And, you know, like this is just the cleanup thing. And so I'm sitting here knowing that there's at least, you know, that there's seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, and 10 still in front of us. Right. Like I, I'm being a bit of an armchair quarterback, which, by the way, I got to tell you, um, it is getting harder and harder to remain spoiler free. And here's why. Um, Back when we started this thing, I had absolutely no frames of reference. I didn't recognize character faces. I did. I knew nothing like I knew right. absolutely yep. nothing. So whenever I would see something that was SG one related, I knew to look away. But even in the momentary glance that I got, I was like, I don't know who that is. Like, <laughs> it, just didn't, it, just didn't, it just didn't register. It was just yeah. like, yeah. oh, we're so excited to talk about blah, 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 hashtag something. And I'm just like, I have no idea what these words are. So it didn't even like sink in. Um, now, like, like, even when I jump on the Twitter feed, it's like I got to really be mindful about where my eyes are falling on that screen because there's now I know things. And yeah. so whenever whenever we're hey, we're so excited to talk about blah, 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 you know, and they, they kind of drop half a sentence that is like meaningful to the fandom because of something um, like I got to be like really intentional about being like not going to put that to memory. Just look over here to the posty post. Okay, write yep. words. Okay, find a funny gif. Okay, we're gone. Um, so, uh, you will... I, I totally get what you're saying. Fortunately, um, there is really... Uh, there's really only one huge potential spoilery thing um, that's in your future regarding SG-1 mm-hmm. that, that becomes... Oh, that changes things. Mm-hmm. There, there are a few other things along the way that, that definitely, um, uh, you know, shift things around. But there's just one more, I think. Uh, and we're not far from it. F- good, fine, fair. Um, 
part of the reason why I am so insistent on the pace that we have is to enjoy the story as close to as it was intended to be digested. Yeah. And so even the little things, um, not to be too precious about it, because I don't want to come off as a person who's like, no, I must be spoiler free of something that is 20 years old. Like, I get what I'm trying to say here. Um, it's remarkably precious. But on the same token, it's like we're we're definitely in the zone where because I tend to nerd out about things, every little detail is awesome. And yep. And I want to experience that detail <laughs> like <laughs> in the framework that it was supposed to be experienced, not through a tweet. Um, so anyway, yeah. uh, I don't know why I yeah. need to bring that up, but there you go. There's that. Well, you know, um, like I said, um, recognizing that obviously every episode is anything that's talked about in any episode is technically a spoiler. Right. Um, most of those are not uh, series shifting things. Yeah, got it. Good. Good to hear. There there are some um and but but some of the the big one uh the next big one is is not too far in our future. Fine. So then I guess uh you know, I guess it's working because I don't know if I ever saw any reference to Nerti dying by having her neck snapped by <laughs> lobster claws but um like i said uh, i didn't didn't, brent meat meat paddles paddles. meat paddles i I didn't see it coming um uh when it happened i wasn't shocked (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't like floored by it but on the other hand i was like oh i didn't expect that um i suppose there might be some space and i don't really want to go too long into the reads before handing it back to you um like i suppose there is a little bit of space about sort of like the I wonder if there's space to kind of think about the com- the, the complexity of the relationship between um, Jack and Nearty. Um, like uh, RDA was playing playing it up like he that like the, 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 there was like levels of regret beyond um, being taken advantage of. Like he there was something in the way that he was portraying it. Like he was like genuinely disappointed. Like he like he he didn't trust near T, but he was expecting more somehow and was being mm. let down and um, kind of going into that and sort of being like, huh, why? Um, Gould have not presented themselves as honorable in any situation the closest we get is with you and even then he's like honor bound to himself like, <laughs> like that's it um right. so and, here's here's my yeah. comment on that real quick um so i i don't think that o'neill really in this moment had was surprised uh that nearty was doing what nearty does mm-hmm. but they had Nearty in their possession, and they willingly let her go because she was going to save. Um, I'm blanking on who. I don't remember. Probably Carter. Yeah, uh, I can't remember who. That was the other uh, thing too. Is that I, I literally was like struggling to remember what they were talking. Oh no, no, about. no! It was it was save Cassandra. It was Cassandra, right? Cassandra was going to die. Yeah. Um, and so it's either do what you do, undo what you were doing to Cassandra, or or not. And and so now what we're seeing here is as a result of that decision, while I don't think he regrets that decision, he is are also now facing uh, directly the consequences of that decision. Yeah. And it's not good. 
and just that that uh, that moral ethical conundrum mm-hmm. uh, of navigating that is what we're seeing on his face. Mm-hmm. 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 So, so so generally, I mean, yeah, I I enjoyed this one, but it wasn't. I had a good time. I had a good time with this one. Maybe it was a combination of the special effects and the story was just good enough and it was interesting enough and it, fine, it reset to zero, but it reset to zero in a way that was like, yeah, that's that's pretty reasonable. And um, so, and, and it had kind of the mysterious and the unexplained in it. Um, you know, how did Nearty achieve the ability to have humanoids develop telekinesis and mind-reading abilities? Like, that's fun. Um, but it didn't get into it and it did it in a way that was kind of satisfactorily like left open and at the end you know got another notch in the belt uh you know another another ghoul down um i don't know i just had a good time with this one but i but it, it wasn't because it itself was like particularly great it was just i don't know it was good i just had a good time what about you good. what about the, what do you think about this one so the pacing of this episode bores me mm, yeah i can see that um I mean, I actually watched it yesterday in the middle of the day, late morning. I don't know. I, I was reasonably well awake mm-hmm. in any case. <laughs> and I'm still like, where's my phone? Is there oh, a yeah. game on my phone I could play? Um, uh, the, the seduction scene just completely fails for me, personally. Interesting. Um, Stick a it pin just, in that. We'll come back to that. It just... I, I don't know whether... It, so, like, I haven't seen The Graduate... Um, so I don't really have that to draw on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it doesn't work for me. It just, I, I find it uncomfortable. I, I, I want to squirm, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's not just because you have two people who are inept at flirting, clearly. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, because let me be honest, I'm not very good at flirting. <laughs> I mean, maybe he'll get sick sometime. <laughs> maybe I'll get sick sometime. Maybe I'll get, you'll get sick sometime? <laughs> well, you know, yeah. What's more sexy than a snotty nose? Yeah. I mean, come on. Don't, isn't that what, isn't that what, uh, isn't that what it's all about? Like trying to, like having some uh, incapable, inept individual that can't take care of themselves you're going to have to care for? Isn't that the thing? No? Uh, no, it's not. Oh, gee. Okay. Um, in any case, so I don't know, it, uh, you know, she tries to seduce him and he's like, oh, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> I guess the first thing that I would do is probably release my friends. And then the second thing I do if I had all these powers is kill you. Maybe not in that order. I just, bleh, it, bleh. Yeah, so... I didn't have a problem with that scene. Um and, you know, okay, like fine. I'll 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 let it I'll let it drift into the kind of the, you know, um I always find it a little bit difficult to uh stomach whenever I'm listening to somebody's opinion on a thing and they go, "Well, but they're easy on the eyes." Eh, all right, fine. Like I'll I'll own that part of just like, "Hey, this is fun. Let's watch this a little bit." Um the whole like under the leg shot was weird. I, I get it. It was an it was an homage, but still, it was just like okay. Um, and there, the the scene of those two actors portraying that moment, um, I didn't think was particularly poor. Uh, Jonas, the character, 
did not want anything that Nearty was offering. Nearty, the character, really wanted this person as an object. Like, so in that regard, I thought it was working quite well. Um, Nearty was objectifying Jonas like crazy. Why? Because Jonas represented the thing that she wanted to have in order to be able to get the power that she was hungering for. Mm -hmm. And so it was coming across with this really sort of objectifying way that really was, was, um, uh, you know, technically it was flirtatious, but it was in that sort of that carnal flirtation way, not that romantic flirtation way. And I thought that that was working as I was watching it. And then the lighting, they did that thing. It's a trope, but they did that thing where they got that slit light going on um, so that you have real tight highlights on the actor's eyes. And so you're, you're supposed to be watching them emote through their eyes. And um, Jacqueline, whatever her last name is, Jacqueline, what? Uh, Samuda. Samuda. Jacqueline Samuda, I thought, was doing a fine job with portraying that kind of power hunger. The hunger. She was portraying a hunger, but it wasn't a hunger to have a romantic relationship with the person, uh, nor even a hunger for a physical relationship with the person. It was a hunger to acquire. And I thought that she was doing a good job portraying that. And Jonas was portraying this wariness that borders on um almost apathy in the framework of i'm not buying what you're selling you can't even you will you are going to fail at every attempt to sell this to me and so therefore this is really just wasting time but he delivers the line and he's kind of acting through his eyes to be sort of distant and and you know maintaining that sort of uh discipline so to speak and then he gets belted across the face and lands on the other side of the room and Nearty's ticked off. And I mean, and, and it, none of that felt implausible. Now, does that speak to when Zach is watching it and Zach's like, ugh, come on. Is this the only way that you can tell me this part of the story? Well, no, Zach, they, they, they could have done this a hundred different ways, but they chose to do it this way. And I thought it worked okay. It, it, let me rephrase that. It didn't torpedo that for me. And I'm happy to talk about why I just did, but I can absolutely see your point too of like, seriously, we don't necessarily have to have these two like on each other's faces in this way to convey this information. So there you go. There's my, there's my two cents on that. So thank you very much for that. It, it does help me frame this in a new way, which is good. Um, but still, I don't know. It, yeah. it just kind of felt like, and now the seduction scene. Sure. And then after that, we moved on. For me, it, it felt like it was, it had a different mode. It just, it just, it didn't feel like it fit with the rest of the story. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, so like, we're going along, we're doing all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, you have this DNA that's really cool. I like it. And all of a sudden, now let me try to seduce you with yeah, power. Yeah, that's all a this. good read. It's like, I like that read too. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it feels out of place to me. Yeah. Uh, what you were saying helps understand that scene better, and, and I appreciate that. Um, but I think it would have... It, it could have been, and I think maybe should have been, uh, conveyed that question, like, hey, um, I want what you have. I mean, here's the thing. Is oh, yeah. That, is that she already had what he has, 
right? He's there in her possession. She has him. You know what? That's a good point. And 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 there is nothing in what she says that you think that yeah. she's actually genuine. Yeah. That's so she's point. seducing him, but why? That's a good point. Uh, it just doesn't fit for me. Yep. Um, we can rule the galaxy as father and son, right? Like, who cares? I mean, that right. actually, at least in Star Wars, when when you hear <laughs> him say, "We can rule the galaxy as father and son," you actually believe it that that's actually what he wants. Yeah. Um, he's not saying that just to try to, you know, get oh, out of a he, sticky situation yeah, 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 or any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, but Nier um, clearly was saying that just to get... Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it just, you know... And I don't even think she wanted to get into his pants. I mean, it wasn't yeah, even a sexual I don't think so thing. Either. No, I mean, that's exactly so, right. Is that, you know... So then, yeah, you know what? Let's... For... Okay, let's do this. Um clearly with like wardrobe decisions and such, they were also, I mean, like it was sexy near tea time. Like they were trying to play that part up. Um, and you know, now that we're really examining it, like why, why did the showrunners decide to do that here now, knowing that she's going to end up with a snap neck at the end? Like, when you really well, okay, maybe this gets to my earlier point of I had a good time with this, even though you look too closely at it and things don't really line up very well. Like things don't right. quite work when you really scrutinize them. But I had a good time, and so I'm going to stick with that good time feelings. Um, but you know, to, to the earlier supposition of like don't look too hard, <laughs> it's going to start <laughs> falling apart real fast. I mean, you're right. Like that scene did nothing but it did nothing in even the a worse way than doing nothing at least there's some versions of doing nothing where you explore it because it's going to illuminate some part of the character of the people involved um you're going to be given hidden motivations or something you're going to be shown an opportunity where there's a conflict and see how this character uh reacts with it um i i thought that that scene was to show us the um, the integrity of Jonas Quinn. Like, I thought that that's what that scene was supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be showing us the, the integrity of, of Jonas Quinn. Um, but he never even struggled with the question such that it really wasn't even really a test. Mm-hmm. It was just an uh, example of his integrity. And then, so then you flip it and you're like, okay, well then perhaps the scene is to show us the secret desires of Near Teeth Gua'uld. And again, like, I think that that scene runs a lot more cleanly if you go at it like she's hungering for him, the, 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 the object, which brings it to your point, Zach, which is why you had him like he was in the machine or whatever, like, or or you can like have your goon, like hold him to the wall and then stick another ghoul inside, whatever you can do whatever you want. Like, so that one doesn't work. And then, then we're back to what the scene nominally was about, which was about seduction. And then we're really into the weeds. Like, what? That's weird. Um, it, why? I, I don't know. Is this doing anything to the story? Hey, Grace, is this doing anything to the story? No, nothing. It's doing nothing to the story. So let's keep moving. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you can. you could try to say that this is a story the whole story is is about seduction and power 
And, you know, like the whole uh, Spider-Man thing with great power comes great responsibility. Um, You know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. All of these things. Um, Those are things that, that, that... slide up against this story mm-hmm. but i don't think that this story is actually about that Mm-mm. agreed um and that that whole seduction scene if the story was about uh that that you know power the seduction of of power mm-hmm. uh if if that's you know if if wodan and egar had power and and they were seduced by that power for something more uh, then maybe it would fit, but it doesn't fit because that's not what that story's about. Yeah. Okay. I so. think this story works way better as a popcorn muncher. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that pops into my head as mm-hmm. I listen, watch this episode, is that uh, you know you mentioned it's the day of Ex Machia at the end mm-hmm. with uh, Edgar reading uh, Nirti's mind and getting all the information. Problem is that we have seen nothing in his power up to this point that would suggest he has the ability to do that. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh oh, that was super cheese. That was I mean that was way cheese. And I'm just I like, mean, fine, let's just do it. And <laughs> and you know the. And Wodan isn't knowing that. I mean, no, I don't mind this. Wodan is ticked off. He yes. is really, really mad. And he wants to get revenge on this person who has killed his community and killed his brother. I get that. His motivation is is no problem. And frankly, he doesn't care yep. at this point in time if, uh, if Carter dies. Right. I mean, he does, but he doesn't. In this nah, moment, right, he's not yeah. thinking about that. It makes, it makes way more sense that he's just like, sure, fine. I don't know. Don't care. Like, everything that I ever loved and cared for is gone, and well, it's he's, this person's fault. He, he is raging, and yes. when you're raging, you're not thinking. I, I, I get that. Um, but, I mean, what we've seen from Edgar is that he can read surface thoughts um, when he's trying, but there's even that a delay. So it's not like he's getting all of it all at once. He has to go and find it. Um, but everything we've seen so far is is at a surface level. And her capacity to run that machine is not a surface level thing. Totally. In that moment. Totally. Uh, so it just, that doesn't, it doesn't that one was, work for me. That one was real convenient. The other part of that part that was super duper convenient was that it was heavily conveyed that the reason that he couldn't, that he got surprised when Jonas lunged after him wasn't so much about a delay, but an inability. Didn't see that coming, did you? Um, and the implication that, uh, yeah, there was a couple of like sidelong glances that happened when Jonas was first walking into the machine that really strongly implied that Edgar could not read Jonas's mind at all, like flat out. And that then implied that, well, first off, okay, it's implying a couple of things. No, no, it's not implying that. Okay, all right. So this was what I was going to drive at. Um, and then it still doesn't work. Okay, here we go. Uh, if what Edgar can do is read the minds of other humans, then my first criticism was then he wouldn't be able to read the mind of Nearty. Well, Nearty has a human host. Okay, all right. Um, he couldn't read the mind of Teal'c. Teal'c is a human host. Um, they are not from this world, from Earth, 
they are aliens, but they are not not humans. Um, and Jonas is a human, not from Earth. But I guess the catch is, no, no, the humans on wherever he was from, blah, 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 different, blah, 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 past about a few thousand years have done things you don't even know, la, 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 la. Like, you know, okay, all right, fine. Um, but it, But it was planting seeds of doubt in my mind about what, what Edgar could or couldn't do. And so that when he just picks <laughs> Nirti's uh, brain, like nobody's business, like, Oh, I got all the information right here. I can do, I can do differential calculus now. Um, like it was just weird. You I mean, to your point. And again, I rolled my eyes and I'm like, all right, fine. Like, let's just, let's just go. He, he managed to find exactly the right information to, to save his people. Okay. Good enough. And you're going to break the machine after that. Fine. Fine by me. You're going to turn everybody back into regular peoples again, and then uh, that'd be fine. Break the machine, and we won't have to worry about it ever again. The end. But I'm fine with this. But yeah, I'm fine with it because I'm holding my nose. <laughs> well, so, you know, it's just, uh, I, I would be able to forgive better the deus ex machina of the end if I was uh, more invested in the story Yeah, from the beginning. Yeah, sure, sure. Right? Um, yep. Now, as you said, I do like that we see the Russians again, and yep. that the Russians we establish that the Russians actually have an SG team, mm -hmm. um, which is harkening back to redemption at the beginning of the season, right? Mm -hmm. And this whole story of the Russians involved in the system—that's um, good. Um, you know, Evanov was a was a nice character, and it's sad that he's gone now. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually appreciate the fact that uh, at the beginning. Uh, O'Neill is like, do I have to work with the Russians? Yeah. And at the end, after Evanoff is gone, he's like, you know what? I can at least recognize that this was a good man, and he's dead for no good reason. Yeah. It's your fault. You know, so that's fine. But the pacing is slow. That battle yeah. with the Jaffa is visually cool, but it is not... I mean, it's just kind of... I mean, it's a good thing that those Jaffa are lumbering idiots. Oh, yeah. Um... Because on a bright, sunny day, if you don't notice <laughs> the person at the bottom of the hill planting C4, yeah. you are not doing your guard job no, very well. Yeah, you're, you're, maybe they're nearsighted. Near T-sighted. Hey! Oh! Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so, yeah. That's kind of where I am. You know what, though? But this is now two. So, I'm going to, you know, slight spoiler, I'm going to give this one relatively high marks because like I had, like I said, I had a good time and that's really the principal driver for where I go with my ratings is like, how good of a time did I have? Right. And, but this is the second story in a row where we're, we're, we're finding problems with it and it could have been resolved in the directing. And Peter DeLuise was on that chair in both of them. And that's weird to me. Like, well, he wasn't last week. No, but he was for Smoke and Mirrors. Oh, okay. Fair enough. And that story, I remember I was thinking to myself, like, um, I don't think I wrote, I don't think I rated it that well. And we were kind of banging it up because uh, there were aspects of the story that weren't working well. And only afterward did I realize, man, I, yeah, I mean, like, normally if DeLuise is on the chair, like, it works pretty well and I end up enjoying it. But that one didn't work that well. And now this one didn't work that well. And it's like, what's going on? Hmm. I don't know. Losing the edge? Is Peter DeLuise losing the edge, Zach? Uh, I don't know. Oh. I don't know. 
I mean, he directs a whole lot more episodes. So in that regard, uh, let me. I'm I'm looking forward. Um, well, that's not his fault. That's a good episode. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, not his fault. Oh no. <laughs> That's a good episode. Um, oh, that's a good episode. Um, hey, you're dead. Quit with the spoilers. Hey, you don't even fresh. know what I'm talking about. Those, that's a great episode there. You, you, but you are predisposing the jury. All right. I'll in. stop talking. All right. I mean, I'm lucky sorry. for you. I, 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 I will probably forget. So, you know, whatever. But that one was hey. funny. That's not his fault. That's great. <laughs> uh, all right. So, with all of this, Brent, mm-hmm. um, how many chevrons does Metamorphosis get? Yeah, um, I, I did. I did have fun with this one, and I had fun because I wasn't willing to look too closely into the sun. Um, it really, really falls apart if you look at it too closely, and uh, it's a reset to zero. And uh, yet another ghoul world gone in kind of an unspectacular, unspectacular way. Well, I. Pfft. Oh, check me on that one. No, no. I think Nirti's death might be one of the most spectacular ones, but for different reasons. And again, it wasn't done by our heroes. It was done by something else. But all right, there there that is. Um, And yeah, the pacing was all sorts of not that great. But somehow I was still engaged and allowing it to kind of bop along. The return to the prison cells over and over again. I mean, I can see how the pacing of the thing actually wasn't all that great at all. But you know what? I'm going to stick with the, stick with my original thing. So this is a five for me, which is pretty all right. Um, yeah. I, 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 I finished the episode and I was like, that was all right. That's kind of neat. And I was ready to kind of carry on. And no, it's not a big splash episode, but I left feeling positive about it. So I'm going to stick with it. It's five out of seven for me. There you how go. How about you, Zach? So I'm not going to give it a five. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, uh, I'm going to go with a two and a half. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just. Whoa. Hmm. I, I, you know, there have been some episodes and you, you could, um, you could make an argument that I am gentle and generous with my predictions or with my Chevron ratings mm-hmm. on various and sundry things. Uh, this is one that I am not going to be gentle or generous. Fine. Um, it, it, the know. half chevron is for reasons. Oh, special reasons. Gotcha. Um, but uh, the uh, it just yeah. I, I've already, I've said my piece. Two and a half. Two and a half. All right. Well, Brent. Yeah. We have several predictions on Facebook and several emails as well. I've got one on Twitter, but it doesn't, there's no predictions about what we would give it. It's from our friend Kevin. Okay. Should I just dive right in? Sure. All right. So Kevin writes in. Hi, Kevin, by the way. Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. Hello. Only have, only have one thing to say here. Why does Jack keep pronouncing Nearty's name with a D in it? As a Nearty? Yeah, I guess Nerdy. so. He even that, he even doesn't even get the ear. He gets just an er. It's just nerdy. Nerdy. That bugs the crap out of me every time I watch this episode. But if you're interested in my rating predictions, Zach will be reading that next. Nice. Oh, oh man, that was a good segue. Well, in fact, let me read, starting with Kevin's prediction. Oh, oh. He says, "Hi Zach. Hi Brent. Hi Kevin." 
Don't you just hit it when your only source of information turns into water? I know <laughs> I do. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> this episode is pretty meh for me. Nothing too special aside from Jonas flirting the Russian team and some Wizard of Oz references. Looking yeah, forward to the end of season six approaching. Uh, got some good episodes ahead. As for this one, I predict a four from Zach and a four from Brent. Which uh, basically splits our difference, more or less. I mean, not it quite, does. but yep. close. That's pretty close. Yeah. Uh, he has a PS. Thank you mm-hmm. for everything you do. This podcast is awesome, and so are you two. And oh. David, too, for putting the promos together, sending Brent the occasional reminder for Twitter, and helping yes. with the podcast production. Yes, thank you. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. I was thinking about this the other day about how David has basically turned into kind of a version of the showrunner. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and I got to tell you, it's better for it. I'm not kidding. We are doing a better job doing this thing because he's doing that. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin, for the kind words. Yeah. That was really nice. All right. Next one is JD. Hi, JD. I do not like this episode myself, he says. Okay. Yes. I'm sure I will be wrong. So that is, uh, as that is often the way of things, <laughs> the timing, the story, the Jonas is a super person. The whole story is meh when I'm in a good mood and irritating when I'm not. I give it a two. Okay, you're right there with Zach. Therefore, it will be at least a five from Brenton, probably a five and a half from Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. I love basically how he was perfectly right, but still not right. Oh, JD. Oh, that was really good. I, I... I, I resonate with you. Um, I, I don't much care for this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Rowan says... Hi, Rowan. The team travels to the planet of the psychic superpowered Nearty fans to volunteer for her next round of human experiments. It turns out Jonas is special. Nearty likes him. <laughs> she makes him an offer that he apparently can refuse yes. and doesn't even manage to get his shirt off. Meanwhile, <laughs> O'Neill turns Nearty's fan club against her and another system lord bites the dust. Yep. 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 Uh, this episode is not great. So it, it's, but uh, don't skip it. Three from Brent and three and a half from Zach for a fairly mediocre story. This episode has been rated a 7.3 by viewers on IMDb, which is a three and a half on my IMDb to Chevron rating conversion scale, putting it in the bottom 25% of Stargate episodes overall. Bottom 25. Dang. There you go. That that that's 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 bad. That's bad standard deviation right there. It it is a true statement. Mm hmm. Uh, We have Sean next. Hi, Sean. Jonas flirting was a random but humorous start to the episode. Yeah. Interesting to see the Russian SG team for the first time, too. Mm -hmm. The death of the boy freaked me out just as much this time as it did 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Last episode, when Mayborn zatted O'Neill, it had little effect and he got up straight away. This time, he got knocked out long enough to be moved to a cell. Although it was recently discussed that it may depend... Where you're hit, how bad you react. Uh-huh. That, that uh, discussion was crossing my mind during that scene. Yes. Yeah. This one gets a six out of seven all around, I think. Wow. Well, there you no. go. 
No, I mean, I, I liked I, it, but I didn't I, like it that much. Well, I appreciate your thoughts sean and i respectfully disagree (laughs) so uh justin hi justin says it's been a long road getting the russians integrated it's a joint mission but evanoff is liquidated and i can feel a change in metaplot right now nearty's in my way (laughs) and her goon are gonna hold me down right now Yes, they're going to no, read gotta, my mind. You got to sing it. Like, uh, look, if I sing it, um, you're gonna then we're the going to be wrong? liable to things like copyright. <laughs> oh, I see. Because I've got faith of the heart. I'm going <laughs> where the Stargate will take me. I've got faith to believe we can defeat the Guawuld. I've got strength <laughs> of the soul. I believe the goons will save us. I can reach any star. I've got faith. I've got faith. I've got faith of the heart. I don't know why the Enterprise theme stuck in my head after watching the episode. It may have to do with the episode reminding me that the battle against the Gua'uld is aided by technology, but ultimately one of ideology. Jack forgets this in his blind rage to kill Nearty, which also prevents him from recognizing that the people he is nominally trying to save are actually sentient beings. I believe he would have scorched a planet if it meant killing Nearty. Their apparent bumbling helplessness, while a standard psychic trope, serves as a foil for Jack's bloodlust. It also highlights the morality of liberation and that there are some things by their very presence that can lead to lead back to subjugation. Like Oma said, the only way to win is to deny it battle. And Wotan and Egar learned this from Nearty. Hmm. I predict the, conver- the conversation will touch on enough moral philosophy to fill a second volume of Starship Troopers. I'm boldly <laughs> predicting five from Zach and seven from Brent. Wow. So super duper, 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 duper interesting to me is how those philosophy questions posed. I mean, like now that you're saying it, I can see it plain as day, but like I didn't think to think about it until Justin wrote it. Yeah. Like, like to me, this was just kind of a worn out relatively worn out story within sci-fi slash fantasy talking about um you know bad person tries to take advantage of superpowers um, you know manipulates them uh you know let's convince the people that are being subjugated that they're actually being subjugated i actually did think in the first like third of the episode that you and i were going to be talking about um the rightness or wrongness of a group of people who firmly believe in something that we think is not true I mm. thought we were going to be seeing the deformed inhabitants of this place fighting to the death to defend their view that Nearty's a god that is saving them. Um, turns out not to be. You know, in my book, that actually knocks it down another peg. Uh, you know, like it didn't even explore that question well. Um, but, Justin, that's a great point. Those are really, really good points. I really appreciate I, you I, I will say this. Uh, all of those philosophical questions uh, would be really fun to talk about. And using this episode as a means to talk about that would be wonderful. And I have a sneaking suspicion that that conversation would indeed be worth seven chevrons. 
Mm-hmm. That does not change the fact that this episode is not. <laughs> Tee it up in a way that's worth discussing and we'll discuss it. Otherwise, next! <laughs> All right. Tim says... Hi, Tim. The highlight of the show was Carter calling Jonas a chicken sh- Yes. You're going to have to bleep a few of those things out. Yeah, whatever. Or not. Your choice. This episode is fine at best... I would give it a three. It isn't the most objectionable uh, objectionable episode, but I'm really excited to watch. I'm not really excited to watch it either. Ah, there we go. Gotcha. I yep. think Zach will give it a four, and Brent will give it a three. Yeah, close. I liked it more for some reason, but yep. yep. All right. Um. Do okay. And now we have some emails. Mm-hmm. We start our emails with Lydia. Hi, Lydia. Or maybe it's Lydia Ann. Lydia Ann. Lydia Ann. Uh, she says, Brent and Zach, this is my first time predicting for an episode you're currently recording. Yes, wondering. welcome. Welcome. Uh, I'm listening through the back catalog, but have gotten pretty good at guessing your ratings for the mm. episodes I'm currently listening to. Mm-hmm. Next up is episode 100, Wormhole Extreme, which is bittersweet. Uh considering the news about Willie Garson's death. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a sad thing. All right. Metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. It's an SG-1 flirts with horror via unwilling body mods, use of telepathy and telekinesis against our protagonists, and general ghoul menace from Nearty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Plus, our protagonists are sidelined and more active roles are given to the people whom Nearty has been experimenting on. Mm-hmm. It does mark the end of Nearty, whose fate is, frankly, well-deserved. Mm-hmm. Brent tends not to enjoy the horror-themed episodes, nope. Season 4, The Curse, Season 5, The Tomb, thinking these stories aren't quite fully baked. That, plus the fact that our heroes end up in a bad situation due to their own decisions made in Season 5, Rite of Passage... Zach is usually less bothered by these points and will rate higher. <laughs> Brent giving this a three. Zach, who knows about X and Y, gives it a five. Oh, flip us around! <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, super good analysis, though. I gotta tell yes. you, Lydia, Ann, real good. you did get this in on time, um, and I, I gave it a half for all of the X's and Y's. Sure. Sure. All right. Thanks, Lydia. And yeah, I am glad that you finally got Lydia an opportunity Ann. to, Lydia Ann, to write in. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, me too. That was really good. Uh, we have Aunt Susie. Hi, Aunt Susie. All right. When will SG-1 stop letting these brilliantly immoral scientist-type villains get away? <laughs> it was a nice twist that Jonas's alien genes may be the key uh, to... Nearty's creating her hawktar, but the unfortunate pillowy seduction scene was a cringe-worthy end to that notion. O'Neill's lingering Cold War attitude toward the Russians is getting tiresome. Mm. I guess it's so the Russians assigned to work with SG-1 could become good guy red shirts of the show. Also a little ironic that Jacqueline Samuda's own story idea ends up killing off her character. To be fair, that, that wasn't so, her idea. Yeah, I mean, but wouldn't it be just like totally just like, you know, like like super awesome move to be like, hey guys, I got a story. You ready for this? My character dies. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bang. She, she continues. Uh, uh, meh episode, but I give it a four because reasons. 
since Nirti has not given me a mind-reading superpower, I'm taking an uneducated guess that Brent and Zach will both give it a five. I did give it a five. I did not. Uh-huh. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Susie. Thank you, Susie. We have... Um, making sure there aren't any more down there. Okay. So, next is Dan. Hi, Dan. Good morning, campers. Currently submitting my review from beautiful southern Indiana's fall gem of Patoka Lake. Mm. Honestly, I went camping this weekend just to use Jack's line in a review. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> And now it is done. <laughs> uh, this is where I attempted to attach a couple of pictures, but I couldn't because internet. Um, gotcha. Well, I understand that, Dan. I'm glad that you had a good time. Yeah. So, Metamorphosis. It's all right. Not one of my personal favorites, but it's fair. Score one point for the costume department on this one, and one for special effects. Mm-hmm. And for Jonas's willpower, Nearty made him an offer he couldn't refuse, but he did because plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the return of the Russian team. Oh, wait. Right. Lessons to be learned. Number yeah, one. They left a big splash. Oh! <laughs> anyway, Lessons carry on. to be learned. Number one. Human beings are made out of water. Yes. I don't know about you guys, but I learned this in science class. Mm-hmm. Or was it biology? I, I don't remember. Alibrand shows us a little more literally than was necessary. <laughs> nice. Yes. Fair. All right. Number two. <laughs> the Oz is indeed part of that movie. Yes. Number three. Hail Dorothy is also indeed part of that movie. Yes. Number four, Margaret Hamilton was indeed a star of that movie. Yeah. Number five, when informing your captor of your escape plan, accuracy helps, as it does the order of your plan. (laughs) He was monologuing. Uh Uh-huh. Number six. Jonas really is a chicken sh- alarm blaring. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because at the end there in his, in his monologue in the scene that was unnecessary and the one that's hearkening to different movies, which, by the way, was the Oz reference trying to tell me something, too. I kind of forgot. But anyway, no. So, um, so he kind of proved that he'd not. So two comments. One, uh, the Wizard of Oz references have been sprinkled out throughout the entire series. And this is just a spot where you get a heavy dose of him. That's okay. kind of cool. They're not there for anything more than, hey, it's a Re- oh, Wizard of Oz reference. Woohoo. Hooray. Now, in terms of Jonas, Nearty makes a proposal that he can't refuse, and yet he does refuse. And I have yes. figured out why he refuses it. Okay. Because his, he has eyes only for Dr. Rush. Oh, maybe he'll get sick sometime. Uh-huh. He wants to kiss her. <gasps> All right. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dan continues. Yes, please. <laughs> Let's say this is a five and a half for me. And a okay. five from the boys. I got me. We right? kill more yeah. Jaffa, another Gua'uld, and we get some alien technology. Um, do-do-do, Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to chop wood for a fire. It's going to be cold tonight. Okay. 
All right. Just pull a, pull a, ah, oh, shoot, Steve, whatever. Just pull it apart with your bare hands, man. There you go. Right. Rah. Okay. <laughs> Chevron coding bias buffer. Oh, that must be David. That's David's. Hi, David. See that? Did you get it? My Chevron encoding bias buffer metamorphosized you laded into something bigger and stronger and more powerful that you could possibly comprehend. I mean, I didn't see it. Zach saw it. Uh, well, there you go. Yeah, uh, I yeah, heard it. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> As for this episode, though, I wish it had done that instead of what we got. Ah, I mean, yeah. it was good, but still. Okay, so we got the return of and elimination of Nerdy. Uh, and I specifically said nerdy there because he is uh, phonetically spelling nerdy out because yes. that's what Jack says. All right. Yes. A callback of the concept of the Hoktar, a possible level up for Jonas, and some mm-hmm. nice special effects. What we also get was another mostly forgettable episode that only succeeds in eliminating another Google threat yeah. and maybe possibly giving us something to follow up on later. If I only had some way to look into the future or get some sort of psychic premonition, hashtag, I've already seen the future. Ah, uh, jerk. Anyhow, Brent <laughs> gives us four yeah. chevrons because he's been disappointed Close. by Stargate SG-1 of late, and this does not do much to make it better. <laughs> or maybe it's just dumb enough to bump it up. No, nope, You got nope. it. They've already done superpowers and didn't need to do it again. No, for some reason I forgot about the already did superpower. Oh, right. Way back then. Yeah, whatever. I liked it anyway. Zach will give us five chevrons because <laughs> continuity is a thing, and this episode at least has that going for it. I gave it a half a chevron for the continuity things. Not three. No, I, I, I only gave it two and a half. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, you wanted to give it a two, and the continuity thing gave it half a more. Right. Not right. three more. Not three more it's not that good (laughs) all right those are our predictions awesome thank you so much everybody thank you thank you very much now brent yeah recognizing that our podcast is running lengthy i'm going to move us along and say the next episode is disclosure and i want you to disclose to me what disclosure is all about okay Um, okay uh hmm all right Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. But at this world, there seems to be something of a check-in procedure for all people traveling through the gate. Most curious. Please come over here, says somebody, and they have to do so. Please check in all your weapons in this drawer here. Thank you. And can you please sign these disclosures for me so you are disclosing that you are not bringing in any foodstuffs from another planet. Yes, you're disclosing that you are not bringing firewood across state lines. Uh, Be sure to sign the disclosure here that you are not bringing any more than two liters of alcohol into the country. Good. And if you could please sign this disclosure stating that you have no intention to to, uh, plan or execute any destabilizing events for the nation state that you are about to enter, thereby making sure that our peoples can live in safe and harmonious ways as we have for centuries. Thank you very much. Now you can enter. Oh, wait, excuse me. Sorry, I forgot. Please disclose your visas. Thank you. Okay, you are, you are authorized for a seven-day stay. If you stay longer than seven days, we have the right to arrest you and to confiscate all your things forever. 
Join us next time on Stargate SG-1 as we endure 45 minutes of checking in through customs on Disclosure. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, uh, Zach. Yes? Are they going to be going into some kind of an airport situation? Um, well. Perhaps a ferry crossing or, I mean, mean, heck, it could even be on foot, but you still got to do a border crossing. I, I, so I will say that the idea of borders does play at least oh, a nominal okay. role. All right. And to that end, I think that we should watch the promo that David so kindly made for us. Okay. Are you ready? Let's watch Disclosure. I hit play now. Well, next time on Stargate SG-1. Thank you. First and foremost, gentlemen, welcome to the Pentagon. Please forgive any security measures you've had to undergo in order to get here. In America, we try never to underestimate the competence or curiosity of our media. We've asked you here to inform you of a top-secret operation that the United States Air Force has been operating out of Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado. It's called the Stargate Program. Okay, okay, okay. The time has come to share the secrets of Stargate Command. Okay. Gentlemen. Sorry I'm late, I had a meeting on the hill. How will our allies react when the truth is revealed? Yes, your officers have been telling us several tall tales, as you might say. He was a friend. You're telling me you've been at this God knows how long and they don't even believe you? There's just (laughs) one more thing. It's a clip show. No! disclosure oh man i've got to go through another clip show uh well okay i do remember zach that you have told me that of all the television series that you've seen stargate is right towards the top if not the top when they do clip shows at least they move the story forward somewhat i have said that in the past and i will hold to that okay at least that's not terrible indeed not sure what kind of chevrons I'm going to give it, but that's okay. All right. Looking forward to next, sort of, sort of looking forward to next week. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Yeah, sure. So, Good. Uh, thank you very much again, David, for yes, you, David. Um, the promos and all that you do for the podcast. That's awesome. Uh, tell us what you think if you haven't already done so about this episode about next episode about whatever it is uh, you can email us at all of the places that you can email us Facebook, Twitter, all of those things you can do all of those fun things yes good stuff and if you can't remember what they are go back to the beginning of this episode listen yes. to the whole thing all over again you because can we'll get travel it through time that's right yeah, yeah you have the you have the power you have the power mm-hmm. it's like you have the power to move through time. The power to move you. All right, let's wrap this up. All right. So with that, uh, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.